This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. We're going to be starting a brand new series this month, and uh, I get the pleasure to kick it off. We're, We're calling Small Things Big Differences. Small things, big differences. And as you saw in the message bumper there, uh, as we're talking about this, you know, we're going to talk about our thoughts today, but I want to just kind of give you some ideas about where we're going because we're talking about really this whole month and what we talk about and teach about is going to be about change. You ever wanted to change something in your life? You ever felt like you needed to change something in your life? (laughs) You know, and most of us, if you've ever attempted change in any way in your life, you know, it can prove to be very challenging, can it not? Sometimes we can have great intentions, but our follow-through just doesn't uh, work too good. So hopefully this month, we're going to be able to give you some, some principles and some truths about it. You know, many times people, when they're wanting to change their life, they're wanting for something to just, you know, just something, I want to just change overnight. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to change this habit. I'm going to change this thinking pattern. I'm just, you know, I'm just determined I'm going to do it. And, you know, and it's going to be done by the end of the week. You know, we do that a lot at the, you know, as the new year rolls around, we make those new year's resolutions. And you know, uh, most of those resolutions, they don't last uh, the month, do they? Because really, you know, we're approaching it the wrong way. We don't have the right understanding about it. You know, change doesn't happen magically. Change doesn't happen just because you grit your teeth and say, bless God, I'm going to do it. You know, you might as well try to just lift yourself up by your own feet over a fence you know, a fence somewhere. You just can't do it that way. So we want to talk about this progression that takes place. You know, even Israel, uh, we won't read it, but in Exodus 23, God told Israel after they're in the promised land, he told them, he said, now, I'm not going to drive out all your enemies all at once because it would be too much for you. He said, but little by little, I'm going to drive them out from you. And you know, the transformation and the changes that we want to see take place after we come to the Lord. Now, some people, they may think, well, you know, aren't we new creations in Christ after we come to the Lord? Absolutely. Haven't all my sins been forgiven when I come to the Lord? Absolutely. But how many of you know everything in your life hasn't been changed, especially when it comes to this bump up here? That's our problem. See, the inward man has been changed. That's instantaneously. But the problem is, is this thing up here, this outward man, the soul, the mind that the Bible talks about, it comes in conflict with this new man on the inside. You ever run into that conflict? You know, even the great apostle Paul, he said this in Romans 7, he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Anybody... Don't ever let me be up here raising my hand by myself. Thank you. (laughs) So life in the Scriptures, the Bible teaches us that change comes about little by little. It comes by little by little. And seemingly the insignificant things that we do can have a big impact on our life as regards to change. 
And we're going to talk about this month, the progression. It begins with the thought life. Our thoughts, as we think and our thoughts and our thought patterns and the things, you know, I'm talking about the habitual thoughts. Now, we all have thoughts that come at us and go, but I'm talking about those thoughts that make up who we are, how we think about ourselves, how we think about our family, our spouse, how we think about God, how we see our life. Those thought patterns is what we're talking about. Those thoughts lead to expressions in our words, then in our choices, and then that becomes a habit or a lifestyle. And many of us, well, all of us, before we came to the Lord, we had a lifestyle. Now, your lifestyle, you may have been, quote, unquote, what we call a good person. Some of us were not what you would call, quote, unquote, a good person. We had lifestyles that were really very, very destructive, and you know, and I'm not just talking about the drugs and, and all of that kind of thing that you might have been into, but you know, a lot of things that are just as destructive are the way we think about ourselves. Isn't that true? So today we're going to talk about, kick this off by talking about the power of our thoughts. Now in the King James Version, Proverbs 23, 7 reads this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Or we could put it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so he will become. And really, we are, every one of us, up until now, a product of this uh, uh, principle that I talked about. That is our thinking, that we think on, we think on, we think on, we create thought patterns. Then we begin to speak those things out. This is who I am. This is what I can do. This is what I cannot do. This is, I'm a good person. I'm a bad person. I'm a failure, whatever it may be. And then it's created a lifestyle or a habit in us. And, you know, we become, uh, you know, they, they give this example. You know, you can take and put uh, fleas in a glass, in a, in a jar or, or in a glass, and you put a top on it. And those fleas, you know, they like to hop. They hop up and down. They bump up against that. And after a while, you can take the lid off. And you know what? They won't jump out of the jar. They're capable of jumping out of the jar. But what they have been conditioned, what? They kept hitting that ceiling, that top on it, kept hitting it. So finally, they just conditioned. This is, as, this is as high as we can jump. And our thinking does that to us with our lives. Our thought patterns get in there, and we begin to establish our own limitations, if you will. And then that's as, we think that's as far as we can go. This is as much as I can believe God. This is as far as I can go in life. So we want to look at that. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, he said this. He said, an evil person out of the evil things or thoughts in their, in their heart, he said, they bring forth evil things. A good person out of the goodness of his heart, the good treasure in there, what brings forth good things. And this is what we have to understand. What we fill ourselves with is going to determine what we do in life. Are you listening? You ever been around a negative person? I'm not talking about, you know, anybody might say something negative. I'm not one of those. I don't like those, you know, I don't, I'm not a thought policeman. I'm not one of those that goes around, you know, hey, you said something negative there. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about somebody that habitually, every time you see them, all they do is talk about something negative. I can't, I won't. This is bad. This is worse. And if, even if it's good, they're prophesying it's going to get bad. 
Because what? That's what's in their mind. That's what's in their heart. It's coming out of your mouth. Jesus said, whatever you fill your heart, your mind with, it's going to come out. It absolutely has to. Here's what we need to understand. We will become what we think. Romans 12, 2. You will in the process. Now, not immediately. See, this is where people get, uh, you know, they, they get misguided. They think, well, I said that, and I, 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 it didn't happen. I'm talking about what you think on continually. You think on it. You fill your mind with it. Eventually, that's what you're going to become like. That's where you're going to go. Romans 12, 2, you know the Scripture, but let's read it here. <clears throat> and actually, as we read it, I want to read it really from some different translations here, so just bear with me. We'll read it together. Romans 12, 2, it says this in the NIV. It says it this way. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then he goes on, he said, and this way you can prove what God's good and perfect will is for your life. So God says, don't be conformed. That word conformed literally means to be squeezed into a mold. You know, to be squeezed into a mold. I'll read you some different translations. Listen to this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. I like that, don't you? Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external and superficial customs. I mean, let's face it. You know, anywhere you go, if you, you, you go on the Internet, you, you own TV, or you read a magazine, there's no way you're, gonna get, you're not going to get away from the world coming at you with its ideas, with its concept, and with its culture. Isn't that true? I mean, we live in a culture now where, you know, it, you almost feel guilty for getting older. And all the old people laughed and said, Amen. It's true because what? Young is where it's at. Isn't that right? I mean, you look at Hollywood, man, they're all, you know, they're getting all these makeovers and, you know, and plastic surgery and facelifts and I don't know what all the stuff they get. Why? They're trying to look younger because that's where it's at, you know? The world wants to squeeze you into its mold. That's, you know, that's just one superficial thing. But the enemy, you know, the world wants to tell you, now, if you dress this way or if you look that way or if you, you talk this way or if you drive this or you live here or you have this, all that kind of stuff. He said he's trying to squeeze you into its own mold. He said, but listen to this. But by your new attitude of mind, be transformed. This is what we're talking about. It starts with your thoughts because your thoughts affect your attitude. And we've probably all heard the saying, your attitude affects your altitude, doesn't it? <laughs> How far are you going to go in life? Because let's face it, don't you just love to go to work, you know, with those who are just the, the negative, griping, complaining? Don't, I mean, don't you just hope that they're in the office cubicle next to you? I mean, that you just pray for that, don't you? <laughs> Not really. You know, no one likes to be around people with, with that kind of sour attitude. Or, you know, every time you run into them, you know, they're just talking about how people have done them wrong and life's treated them bad, and that, you know, and all of that stuff all the time. Now, that's okay to share that from time to time with people that you know, but I'm talking about this is a lifestyle for them. It says, be transformed by the new attitude that comes forth in your, uh, for, uh, or be transformed into God's will by the new attitude 
that comes forth. Now, where are we going to get this new attitude? I mean, that's, a, that's a, something to think about, isn't it? He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to talk about that renewing process. You know, it's kind of like this, you know, my, my thought patterns are kind of like railroad tracks laid out for a locomotive. You know, when they were building the first transcontinental railroad back between 1863 and 1869, it took about six and a half years to lay all that track from about somewhere in Missouri all the way out to the West Coast. It took six and a half years. But did you know once they got that track laid, a, a locomotive could travel from New York to San Francisco in three and a half days? See, it takes a lot longer to lay the track than it does for the locomotive to travel on it. And see, here's the thing. We, we have already laid track in our thinking processes, and, you know, and immediately our, the locomotive of our thoughts goes that way. Somebody does us wrong, we go, yep, I knew it. I, I, that always happens to me. I never get treated fair. People are, uh, you know, people are always out to get me. So we have to change that because, uh, you know, otherwise we're like the, those fleas. We're, you know, this is high as we can go. And we wonder why we never have favor with people. Why, you know, why, why is it that this person has favor, but, you know, no, no, you know, nobody seems to like me. I never seem to have favor. Well, I got news for you. It's the, it's the locomotive you're driving. It's, you know, nobody wants to get on it. It's negative. It's, it's defeatism. It's failure. And again, uh, we're not being critical of you, but, you know, unless we recognize a problem, we can't fix it, can we? We have to recognize it. So the thoughts, which are reinforced by dwelling upon them continually, will be reflected in my words, my attitudes, and my actions. You can't get around it. Every one of us today... When we, when we meet people, when people meet us, you know, we, we talk about first impressions, that's the things that's going to come out. Oh, yeah, they may look and say, oh, man, you're dressed real sharp. That's nice. That $2,000 suit looks really great on you. You know, that Gucci handbag is impressive. But what's really going to last in their impression is, the, is what? Is my thoughts, my attitudes, and my actions. That's really what's going to happen, isn't it? So, as we talk about this, since we, we, we're talking about, and the Bible talks about renewing the mind, obviously, we've got to look at that as an important thing. And if you will, turn over to 2 Corinthians real quickly. 2 Corinthians 10, the battleground of the mind, we want to talk about it because really, in the Christian life, that's where the battle is. The battleground is in the mind, there, there are three people who want to influence your thoughts. God wants to influence your thoughts. Satan, the devil, his kingdom wants to influence your thoughts. And then other people want to influence your thoughts. Isn't that right? Other people's opinions. So you got three. So the battleground, that's where the battleground's at. It is the battle of my thought life. Who is going to influence it? And the thing is, I'm in control of that. Now, what may have happened, see, is you've laid the track already. See, in your life, you laid the track in certain thought patterns. And so, you know, every time the locomotive cranks up, it's going to follow that path. Isn't that right? 
It's going to follow it every time. So what we're going to find out is in the battleground of the mind, we may have to take up some of that old track and put down some new track. And that's where it takes concerted effort. It takes faith in God. It takes the grace of God. It takes the work, the Word of God. But it starts with you and I making a decision. Starts with a decision. 2 Corinthians 10 Verse 3, for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what is the battleground? It's about thoughts and imaginations which uh, have been given birth to thoughts. And this is where the battleground's at. He says, we're not out here. You know, we don't have a gun. We can't fight the enemy with a gun. You can't you shoot the devil with a pistol. You can't, you can't hit him over the head with a club. The battle is right up here in our minds. This is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to infiltrate your thought life. And now, you know, and it's not always something obvious like go kill somebody. You know, it, it could be, you know, I'll tell you what. I've been hurt. I've been done wrong all my life. I'm telling you what, from this forward, I'm not going to trust anybody else. See, that's become what? That become a stronghold in you. Now, every time you meet somebody, what are they? They're at arm's length. You're not, you won't let anybody get close to you. You're not going to trust anybody. And I want to tell you something. If you're going to go anywhere in life, you're going to have to learn to trust people because you need people. Amen? By yourself, you're not going to get too far. Now, I'm not criticizing your intelligence. I'm sure you're very smart and intelligent, but you will never get anywhere by yourself. You just, you can't do it. The smartest people in the world still need other people. And you're going to need other people in your life. And whether it's in your Christian walk, whether it's in your vocation, whether you're going to uh, school and pursuing your degree, whatever you're doing, you're going to need other people. But see, those thought patterns can get in there to the point to where, you know, you end up going through life all alone. You have no close friends, no intimacy, nothing can, like that can come close to you. Why? Because a thought pattern has been set up in your life. And he says, we've got to learn to pull them down. We are in a fight for control of our lives, and the battleground is our mind. Now, see, if I asked anybody, I guarantee you they'd say, well, of course I'm in control of my life. Of course I am. Absolutely I am. I do whatever I want. No, you do whatever you think. I'm going to say that again. You say, I do whatever I want. No, you do whatever you think. Isn't that right? So, see, really... Your actions come forth from what? Your thought patterns, your thought life. So really, even though you say, well, I'm doing whatever I want to, really, it's the track that's already been laid that's dictating to you what you want to do. Are you following me? <laughs> so we need to understand that. So we're in a fight for control of our lives. So the first thing we have to do, he says, we have to pull down the wrong thinking that is detrimental to our lives and to God's will. You know, 
I, I tell people, you know, my mom, I, I grew up years ago, you know, way back in the 50s and 60s before, you know, it, they had all the buzzwords, you know, about single moms and all of that stuff and latchkey kids. You know, I was just the oldest kid. I came home, took care of my baby brother because my mom was at work. I didn't know I was a latchkey. <laughs> I just, that's what you do. I, hey, I'm the oldest. He's the youngest. Mom's at work. That's what you do. You come home, you take care of stuff. Isn't that right? <laughs> but you know, you, you, you know, we got to tear down that wrong thinking. But my mom, because of her situations and, and everything in life, she had developed a pattern of worry. My mom could worry. Oh, man, she could worry. And she could let you know what she's worried about. Some of it was legitimate. A lot of it, you know, never happened. But she was worried about that it might happen because so much had happened. Come on. And she had developed that. And what happens, see, is you can get that worry habit, that worry, those thoughts of worry. And, you know, really, most of the things we worry about in the future, they never, they, they never happen anyway. The vast majority of them never happen anyway. But what does it do? It robs your peace in the moment. You can't have peace and worry in the same place, can you? You got to, because if worry is coming in, and all worry is is a product, what, of a thought pattern. You know, bad things have happened to me. Therefore, bad things will always happen to me. So I'm afraid of the next bad thing that's going to happen to me. And I start dwelling on it, dwelling on it, dwelling on it. And next thing you know, I start talking about it. And everybody I run into, I tell them about all the bad things. I rehearse it. You know what's happened to me? And I begin to tell them what all I'm expecting to happen to me. <laughs> and so it steals your peace. You have no peace of mind. That's just one area. It, it can be in, in all kinds of areas, but our, our thinking, anytime we detect a pattern of thinking there that's limiting us, that is contrary to the Bible, what God says about us, that's a clue. We need to pull it down. We need to pull it down. And the way we pull it down is by, first of all, recognizing. You know, in computer language, I, I, I'm not a, a geek or anything, but they talk, there, there's a term they use, debugging. Debugging. And, you know, of course, the word bug came, you know, where they got the word bug to begin with. That doesn't sound like a, that's a crazy th term to use for an electronic device, isn't it? But, you know, years ago when they were starting the first, com building the first computers that used to take up whole rooms, you know, they, they had the vacuum tubes and all that kind of stuff. Anybody geek enough to rem have researched that? Or, as I, in my case, old enough to remember that? <laughs> But, you know, what would happen is literally they would get one time something wasn't working, wasn't making contact or something back there with that old style stuff. And really they went in there and looked and it actually was a bug had got in there. So they talked about a bug getting in it. So they use, still use the term debugging. But to debug, it mainly, mainly if you're going to debug your computer, it means you, the first thing is you, you start with and, and recognize that there's a problem. You isolate the source of the problem, then you fix it. I'm going to say that again. You start with the problem. Okay, there is a problem. Hello, Houston. We have a problem. We, we isolate the source of the problem. <laughs> and then we fix it. You got a great toolbox. Amen. For, for fixing things in our life. That's God's word. Because part of the reason God gave us his word, what was to straighten out my thinking. 
If you read in Isaiah 55, you can read over there. I have to turn over there. Verse 8, God said this. He said, he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Wow. My thoughts are not your thoughts. He said, for as high as what? The heavens are above the earth. So are my thoughts above your thoughts. And so he's given us the Bible, what? So that what? We can straighten out our thoughts so that we can think correctly. So to pull down, first of all, I look and say, okay, what's detrimental here? Is me worrying and full of thoughts of fear and, and failure and all of those things? Are those things compatible with the nature of God, with the kingdom of God, with the will of God for my life? Well, if you read the Bible, it doesn't take long. You can find out real quickly. That's, that's incompatible, isn't it? That software, okay, is not meant to run in this new computer of mine. That's wrong. I got, you know, I got a virus in that thing. I got to get it out. And, you know, God's Word is great antivirus software, isn't it? He said in Psalm 119, he said, your word have I hid in my heart, what, that I might not sin against you. Well, what is he doing? That's antivirus. He said, I'm, I'm hiding the word of God in my heart. Paul said it this way in Ephesians, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Isn't that right? So you, you begin to inoculate yourself. You begin to pull down this wrong thinking uh, that is limiting you in God's plan and God's purpose for your life. Do you know that God wants every one of us to have perfect peace? Now, I know in the, today's world, I mean, if, if, of course, some people do try to find peace in appeal, don't they? <laughs> but you know, if you could literally bottle it without it, the, you know, the peace we're talking about, the peace of God, you, I mean, you'd, you'd be the richest person on the earth. Because more than oil, more than water, more than anything else, more than any drug, people are looking for peace. Oh, if I just had peace. Do you know peace brings with it contentment? Contentment gets you, keeps you from striving. Oh, I got to have this. I got to, if I could just have this, I'd be happy. If I could just get that, I'd be happy. If I just, you know, if I had this, this, or had that, all those, see, those are all thinking patterns that are contrary to peace and to God's will for your life. And he said, we got to pull those things down. Pull them down with the word of God. Secondly, we have to build new patterns, laying new track, look at it that way, by replacing wrong thinking with God thinking. Now, I'm not trying to be super mystical. What's God thinking? This is God thinking. He just put it down in a language which most of us here in this room, English, we understand he put it down in English. The first people he revealed it to, uh, you know, they spoke a different language, so he gave it to them originally in Hebrew. Then it, was, then it went to Greek. Then it went, so, so now it's translated all over the world. Why? Because God wants everyone to know what his thoughts are. God is not obscure. God is not hiding. God is not a riddle. God is not some deep mystery that nobody can know. <laughs> no, he's made him, his thoughts very clear in this Bible, in this word. And he says, if you will just take my word and begin to, what, we pull it down, but then we also begin to what? Fix and repair it by what? Taking the, his thoughts and putting them in here. Are you listening? 
thoughts. Satan attacks our thought life as well, and we have to learn to recognize it. First Peter chapter 5, let me read a scripture verse to you here. He says in verse 8, I'm going to begin reading verse 8 and 9, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. He said, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, one of the areas, the principal area where the enemy will attack us, as I've mentioned before, is in our thought life. Now, many of us are under siege and under attack, and we don't realize it. See, we need to, the first thing is, you know, you can't, fi- you can't fix a problem until you know you got one. Isn't that true? Isn't that the big thing? You got to first admit, hey, recognize and admit, hey, I have a problem. You know, that's not being negative. That's being wise. Isn't that right? I'd be, you know, it'd be like me just saying, you know what? I know I can fly this jet. <laughs> yes, sirree. Let me in it. Man, we're going to crash and burn. Don't get on that thing with me. (laughs) See, it's okay sometimes. We need to admit, okay, something's wrong here. Something's not right here. And we need to recognize when the enemy is is attacking our mind. Listen, thoughts of fear, of death, of sickness, of failure, of lack, of you're no good, you can't do it, all that, that's an attack of the enemy. God will never tell you you can't do something. He will tell you you shouldn't do something. Hello? Big difference, isn't it? He will say you can't do it. He said, but, you know, he, in his wisdom, he'll say, it's not smart. Don't put your hand on that stove. Don't put your hand on the hot stove. There's a big difference between that and telling you you can't do something. So, you know, the enemy comes in. Jesus put it this way. He said, the enemy comes, what? But for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Isn't that right? Those thoughts that come into your mind, that come across your mind, that that are negative, that put you down, and you're no good, and you'll never be any good, and you'll never amount to anything, and all of that kind of stuff. Listen, that's when you need to realize, hey, wait a minute. I'm under attack. You ever been on your computer online, and all of a sudden, you realize, man, you've got a virus? Your computer doesn't act the same. It doesn't respond the same. It moves slower or something happens here. Or some, there's some kind of crazy pop-up or something comes on and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, this thing's not working right. We got to fix this. And the same thing is true in our mind. When we, those thoughts start coming, we need to recognize, wait a minute, this is not God thinking. This is not good thinking. This is not right thinking. This is devilish thoughts. And listen, Everybody is attacked by those kind of thoughts. I don't care if you've been, you know, a Christian 50 years. Those kind of thoughts still want to come your way. And you've got to do the same thing. You've got to tear them down. How do you do that? By resisting the devil. How do you do that? By refusing to dwell on those thoughts. See, I can give you my opinion, but if you don't take it, it just stays my opinion, doesn't it? But as soon as you accept it, now it's become your opinion. See, my opinion, it can't, it can't, it, that can't change anything in your life. My opinion can't change anything. 
But if you take my opinion and make it your opinion, now it's going to have influence. Isn't that right? Same thing with the, with the devil's thoughts. Those thoughts may come at you, but until you take them and make them yours, it's kind of like the guy said, you know, you know, those kind of thoughts come. It's like a bird flying over your head. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a, a nest in your hair. And you don't have to let them stay there. Absolutely. So we're in a fight for control of our lives. Now I want to talk, as we're talking about tearing down and renewing, I want to talk about hitting the system restore button. If you know anything about computers, you know they've got a restore program in there. And you know, you can hit that button or initiate that program, and what it does is it restores a computer to its original settings. Psalm 23, verse 3. Turn over there. Let's read that together. Psalm 23, 3. He says this. The first part of that is talking about the Lord as his shepherd. He restores my soul. So we're talking about hitting the restore button. God's going to help us in this endeavor, but we, we, there is a restore button that we can, we can initiate that restore program from God's Word and by the help of the Holy Spirit. And what will happen is, is God will begin to restore us back, what? To our original purpose, our original setting. And we know this in Genesis 1.26, God made man in his image, didn't he? He made man in his image. We're made to be like God. We're made to think like God. We're made to fellowship with God. And God has a plan that's going to stretch from the time we are born throughout all eternity. He has a plan for our lives. As, as a matter of fact, because God being God, He even knows before we're born what His plan is for our lives. So you talk about somebody that's good at planning. God's, God's a master planner. Amen. He, he can plan out the billions of lives that are living now and the millions and hundreds of millions that have already lived, and He's got all the plans laid out for us. So he says, whenever you run into something and you begin to recognize, wait a minute, this thinking's not right. These thoughts are not right. These thoughts that tell me I'm no good and I'm worthless and I'll never make it and God doesn't love me and God's not for me. He said, hit the restore button. It's time to hit the restore button. Restore means to return to a original starting point to refresh or recover. Now, God is desiring to restore our lives to its original starting point. That's what He wants to do, to the original starting. It starts with what we call being saved, born again, having your sins forgiven, making Jesus your Savior and Lord. It starts there, but then there's the renewing of this thing called the mind, restoration point, so that we begin to think like God thinks. You say, is that possible? Well, sure it is. The Bible says that God is love. Why don't you just start thinking love thoughts instead of all those hate thoughts? Isn't that right? All those get even thoughts. All those I'll show them thoughts. All, the, all, all those I'm going to give them the silent treatment thoughts. <laughs> you know, all those I'm not going to have anything else to do with them thoughts. Come on. Isn't that true? 
Instead of worrying and, and fearful, you know, Jesus told us, he said, he said, why are you fearful and taking thought and being fearful and worrying about tomorrow? He said, I got you covered. Now, that's my loose translation, but that's what he said. He said, I got you back. I got you covered. He said, I, I, I've already, he said, I got tomorrow. I got it handled. He said, today is sufficient. Deal with the situation today. Deal with your thoughts today. I've got you covered. <clears throat> Let me ask you something. Are you growing a garden or are you creating a toxic dump? You know, uh, we lived in, uh, pastored in uh, South Florida for, for about 10 years. And I remember uh, our, our kids were up in Orlando going to school. So we'd, we'd, they'd come down or we'd go up about a three-hour drive there. But uh, we'd, every time we'd drive up, we always went by something, boy, you knew you were getting close to it, and you looked at it. It was called Mount Trashmore. That was a, it was a, it was a landfill right, right, right by uh, interstate between it, right by Interstate 95 and by the Turnpike. There, it was called Mount Trashmore. And I mean, man, you, you first you smelt it, then you could see it, and I mean, all kind of birds just you know hovering over that thing because of the smell. And you know that's what some people have created. Unfortunately, in their emotions, in their thought life, they've created a toxic dump. That's the reason they have no peace. They have no joy. Life is dull. Life is boring. Life is over. Life is bad. It's going to get worse. Come on. They've created a toxic dump. They, they, you know, they keep people at arm's length. They don't know intimacy. They don't know how to forgive. They've created a toxic dump. I mean, how many would like to, you know, you know, get a notice in the mail? Hey, you've won a brand new home built right here on the toxic nuclear waste dump. <laughs> <laughs> kind of mixed feelings on that one. And I don't think you'd be wanting to move in. And so we need to understand that. So, or you can grow a garden. It's up to you. Philippians 4. Let me help you here real quickly. As we get ready to, to wind our message down this morning, our, our teaching time. But in Philippians, he talks about something very important here, very practical, as God always is. Philippians 4, verse 6, listen to this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm... Don't be anxious about... Yeah, but Lord... I mean, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going I don't, but God who said this does know what you're going through. He's got your back. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What are you worried about? Well, one of the first things you need to do, anything tries to worry you, is give it to God. Give it to God. Amen? I got this problem. Give it to God. I got this need. Give it to God. I got this concern. Give it to God. Well, you know, I, I just kind of feel bad giving all this stuff to God. Well, no, you got it all. See, you got wrong thinking. You won't feel bad giving all this stuff to God. You'll feel better. Because you won't worry and be anxious. Why? Because God's got it. If God's got it, listen, he's got an answer. He's got a solution. He's going to make a way, even if it looks like to you there is no way. Be anxious for nothing, 
but with thanksgiving, petition, and so forth, let it be known. And notice what he said, if you'll do this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You ever had the peace of God that just, you're like, why should I be peaceful? Everything around me is falling apart. I got peace. I got this problem. I got this need. I got this situation. I got this problem at work. I got this going on. But here I am. I got peace. He said it transcends understanding. See, the, the world will say, well, you're just in denial. <laughs> Come on. No, I'm not in denial. I'm in God. <laughs> I've given him all my cares. We'll guard your hearts and minds. Now notice, finally, brothers, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. What are you thinking about? Sometimes you need to just stop, you know, when you're just kind of by yourself and say, wait a minute, what am I thinking about here? Where are these thoughts going to carry me? They're going to carry me to worry. They're going to carry me to fear. They're going to carry me to make some dumb decision. They're going to, they're going to cause me to push away people that really I need in my life and want to be in my life. Remember we said if you're going to debug a thing, the first thing is you've got to recognize what's wrong, <laughs> isolate it, then fix it. And he said the way to fix it is, is to what? Stop thinking on those things. Start thinking on these things. Think about something good. You know, Oral Roberts used to say for years and years, he said, something good is about to happen to you. And we thought, oh, how simple. No, how God. Something good is about to happen to you. Now, you know that's not the world's thinking. Because they'll tell you, get prepared for the worst. Something bad's coming. <laughs> but God says something good is about to happen to you. Something good, something God, something blessed, blessing you to make you a blessing. I said, are you growing a garden? Are you building a toxic waste dump? Most people won't want to be around a toxic waste dump. Lots of people like to be around a garden. Amen. Because remember we said what you think, you're going to begin to what? Speak. You're going to begin to have that attitude and those actions, and you're going to begin to make choices, and your lifestyle is going to flow from that. And you know what? Uh, I like to be around people who treat me nice. How about you? I like to be around people who encourage me. How about you? I don't like to be around people who are always finding what's wrong with me and being critical. Do you? Come on. No. <clears throat> he said... Think on these things, whatever you've heard or learned or received of me or seen of me, put into practice. So think on these things. Now, Proverbs 4, we won't have time there, but write down verses 20 through 22. He said, talking to Solomon, talking, or David talking to Solomon, he said, it's my son. He said, listen, pay attention to my words. Don't let them depart from before your eyes. Put them in the midst of your heart. Speak them out your mouth. He said, because what? They are life. Well, the literal translation says, they are life and medicine to your flesh. Wow. You know, you get, get those little pains and, you know. He said, he said, his word dwelling in you, it said, be medicine 
to your flesh. So here's the thing. We're gonna, I'm going to give you, I'm going to teach you how to debug real quick, and then we're going we're, we're gonna to pray. Remember we said to debug, you, gotta, you start with, with the problem, recognizing the problem. You isolate the source of the problem. Then you fix it. So here's it. We're going to debug. Here's the thing. Decide right now. You decide on an area that you either need or desire to be changed in your life. Just one, not 50. <laughs> one. One. You decide on one. All right. Then find what God has to say about it. You say, but how do I go about doing that? Get in the Bible. Get you a concordance. There's all kind of electronic concordances you can download for free on, the, on your computer or your, your tablet or your, your smartphone. Or you can, you know, go to the bookstore, do it the old-fashioned way, buy your Strong's Concordance. The other day I was having issues with my computer and I had to get out the old Strong Concordance. But you go and you look up and you find what God says about this area that you are wanting to isolate. Write them down or either, you know, uh, cut and paste and put them on your computer there and put them up there where you can pull them up or on your phone. And you take about 10 minutes every day to read those scriptures and think about them, turn them over in your mind. Maybe you might even want to speak them to yourself a little bit. You do that for about 10 minutes every day. You do this for 30 days. 10 minutes. You can, do, you can do that while you have your cup of tea or your cup of coffee or, what, or your glass of orange juice. You can do that 10 minutes. That's easy, isn't it? You can just read that. that. And, and you know what? In 30 days, you do that, you're going to be amazed at what has happened, the change in your life. It's almost going to seem effortless. You know why? Because the track, the locomotive of your thoughts is going to be following the new rails, And you're going to find out that all of a sudden, hey, you know, maybe you have a problem with, like, like my mom was, with worry. You're worrying. You're full of worry. You know, find, what, does, what does God say about your tomorrows? What does God say about your life? How he's going to take care of you. How he's going to provide for you. Isn't that right? A man may be unfaithful, but I'm telling you, God is always faithful. If he says he's going to take care of you, he's going to take care of you. If he says he's going to meet your need, he's going to meet your need. And you fill your, your mind. You begin to do that. Just, just 10 minutes a day? 10 minutes for 30 days you do that. And I promise you, you know what you're going to see? All of a sudden, you're going to see your thoughts have changed, your attitude have changed, your talking in that area has changed, and your actions are going to follow it. And then all you got to do after that, very simple, isn't it? You, you take the next one, and then you take the next one. And what, like we said when we started this, little by little by little, all of a sudden, be, you, there begins to be transformation. There begins to be change in your life. There begins to be a different attitude in you. And all of a sudden, instead of saying, I can't, all of a sudden you believe, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I, I can do this because I've got a helper. It's the greater one. And you begin, to, all of a sudden, you begin to rise up to that level of your thinking. And all of a sudden, your faith begins to rise up to that level of thinking. 
And the words start coming out of your mouth. And I want to tell you what. You know what? It won't be artificial. It will be real. And people will be attracted to that. People will be encouraged to that. And not only will you grow a garden, you can help others, seed others to grow their garden. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.